0: ERPs don't handle payments that well, right? Sure, you can create some CSV file and stuff, but you know, there are lots of other point solutions who make it easy for you to do it, but integrated your banks connected right within that system. So a lot of things are happening uh, in the accounts payable world and you know, a lot of point solutions are coming up, which are challenging the traditional role of the-
1: Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people
2: Of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. How hard could it be to manage the vendor side of processes? Well, sometimes it could be more complex than your customer side of processes, especially for B2C businesses. Also, it might vary based on your industry, product type supply chain. You might need to make arrangements such as prepayment. The R&D side of processes could be completely different from operational processes. You might want to have complex arrangements such as pre-printed shipping labels or pre-packaging arrangements. They all could have implications on your AP processes. Also, each industry may have its own requirements on how AP is supposed to be done on top of it Each ERP system is likely to treat the AP processes differently. So what are the best practices for streamlining AP function? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss account payable best practices. We also discussed the scope and systems involved with the accounts payable and P2P processes. Finally, we discuss the architectural challenges and the changing role of ERP because of the introduction of the new systems. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our digital transformation series for which we every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to digital transformation, and we always have an expert panel here. And for today, we are going to be talking about a very interesting topic uh, that is going to be accounts payable. Last week, we did accounts receivable. So this is going to be really from the vendor's perspective, so we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, and accounts payable is always a very uh, interesting topic
3: Um, Chris, I don't know if you're able to speak. Would you like to introduce yourself? (laughs) Yeah, hi, everybody. Chris Ghirardini, I'm the CEO and owner of Turnkey Technologies, We're a 28-year-old partner that implements Microsoft Dynamics CRP. So, yes, AP is a very large topic, in fact, as you'll hear shortly. Thanks for having me.
2: Exactly. It can get really large. So, we are going to touch that from different perspectives. Thank you so much for the press. Uh, Abu, can I ask you to introduce yourself next?
0: Sure. My name is Abu. I'm the founder and president here at PANI. So, we are a Sage X3 partner for the last 12 years. Personally, I've been involved in a lot of finance-related projects, and AP is one of those areas where I've worked quite a bit. So, excited to be here and look forward to speaking.
2: Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Abu. Uh, Nirav, can I ask you to introduce yourself
4: next? Yeah, absolutely. Nirav Shah, I'm CEO of AdSource ERP. We're a premier Acumatica partner and doing ERP for over 20 years now. You know, like they say, everything rolls downhill. And AP is one of those areas where if, it does, if it's not done properly, you're going to have some really, really mad, mad, mad vendors. I'm excited to talk about this. Topic. Yeah,
2: could not agree more. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Matt, can I ask you to introduce yourself next?
4: I'm Matt
5: Bernard. I'm the lead business analyst with Striven. It's the ERP owned by Miles Technologies, a, whole, a full services IT firm. Um, and I love talking about AP because, again, vendors are important. Can't run your business if you don't have the things that your vendors give you to get there. So love AP for that.
2: Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Matt. And if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys post your questions and comments uh, in the comment box. Uh, We typically try to cover them during the show. If you run out of time, then our panelists will make sure that you guys are going to receive your answers. On that note, I am going to start with the first Question with Chris and Chris, this is going to be our standard, uh, you know, segment where we are setting the stage. Uh, overall, in terms of account payable, most people when they are going to be thinking about accounts payable, they are thinking, okay, you know, you hire vendors, you sort of pay the vendors, but you know how complex it could get. When you look at the end-to-end processes, in fact, you are probably going to have dedicated systems just to manage your AP processes. That's how complex it could get. So, do you want to set the stage for? Sure,
3: appreciate it. And to the rest of you, just because I mentioned a topic doesn't mean you can't deep dive on it later. So, but uh, you know, I started by just doodling and I wrote payables and I put voucher right. And what that means in our world is. That's when you put an invoice in this. And then it went backwards and I thought, well, before you voucher, it could be, you know, a P.O. It was a P.O.-based invoice, which means there should have been a three-way match in front of that voucher. In fact, the three-way match would create the voucher. So there's some arrows coming off the three-way matches as you can imagine, as you start tripping over variances, and pricing and discrepancies, quantity discrepancies and inspections and defects. Boy, that one goes way that way. We keep going north, receipts, right? We're receiving process as part of it as well, because it's creating something to invoice against. And then we go up to the purchase order right so the the great ap processes they start with something there should be a purchase order there that doesn't mean that's the beginning of the process but that's a great place to start because when you have a purchase order you have a commitment you know what the general ledger impact is of that payable and and, or that purchase and moreover again you know where it goes and you know if you have budget to buy it a lot of things happen if you have that discipline but uh, as we get to a purchase order if you think about what could happen before that well it's a requisition It has to be a rec before it turns into a purchase order. And then you think about, well, how did we get to a requisition? We had a request for quotation process, right? So now we even went up. So payables, right? And even before we get to that request for quotation, you're like, okay, what are we trying to buy? And it touches products. And who are the vendors that make or sell that product? And do I have requirements for vendors? So payables can go way back up to vendor selection, um, even before they bid on it to see if they meet requirements. Are they U.S.-based? Are they U.S. citizens-based? defense related. You have this, this, OSHA, da, da, da. There's a lot. So even vendor authorization certification processes and compliance can be complex in the relationship between vendors and products, right? Who do I buy it from? How many do I buy? So that's all AP, right? Because as it comes downhill, as we heard from our, our co-people here is yes, it all rolls to AP. So if it's screwed up on the front end, we end up with it. So uh, again, and it goes from there, right? That vouchering. Well, how did I get the invoice? Did it come in via email? Was it an OCR? Was it an EDI? We can have AP flying all over the place, right? POs, receipts. I got I got a 3PL. That could complicate my AP process because you know I'm receiving goods and it's general ledger, right? Now we have a little balance sheet area that gets tricky for people where you think about What's received but not invoiced, right? When do I accrue that liability on my balance sheet? So it's not just putting in an invoice. Again, we talked about variance. We talked about returns. We talked about exception management. And uh, I got a great story for you. I mean, I'm going to leave. There's a lot of other stuff. I didn't even go to, well, how do we pay people, right? You take credit cards and ACH, but you guys need topics. But I have a great story. We had this client that uh, had a disconnected uh, point-of-sale platform from their ERP, 1,700 locations. And then uh, and, and they're buying parts for trucks. And so if you think about what's happening on this disconnected system, right, they're doing purchasing, they're doing receiving, and then corporate, we're gonna, they're going to send you the invoice. So there's a big chasm between all the supply chain going on here. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in transactions and sales. But again, purchasing and receiving, and then there's this thing called core exchanges that lives over here. We talked about that at one point in a process earlier. But if you think of the problem with the disconnect, and so really the volume is 10000 a week, okay, wow, that's that's a lot. And when you don't have a three-way match, right, everything's an exception. And so the uh, you know, the, the challenge in this is you think about how do I get the POs? How do I capture them? First of all, how many can I get EDI where I don't have to key 10,000 a week? And maybe it's 15,000, maybe it's 20. Again, the problem has to scale. So you can't touch this data. And you think about streams of data and, and algorithms to match invoices and receiving, right? And all those things I talked about, variances, prices, incomplete, short ships, over ships, rules that govern that. And so you think about what we did is we built a front end app that, again, it catches all this. Again, it's it's a little bit of, it's not a full RPA, but if you think about taking people out of it and just giving people the 1% or hopefully less than 1%, because even 1% of 10,000 is a hundred transactions, they have to go in and decide how to disposition, how to manage, but very complex. And the, and the key thing is you got to move them through. You got to have velocity on AP, right? Because you've got payment terms, you've got discounts that are available. So and again, you don't want your vendor to cut you off because you're not paying them because you've got an incompetent AP staff. So the complexities can go from there. Again, I can pause there, Sam, but there's a lot out there.
2: So uh, I love that story personally. And the reason why I love that is because when I look at the industries such as those, especially when you are talking about retail, the industries that are going to have any sort of physical stores, uh, typically with them, if you are going to be looking at their ERP systems, as you correctly pointed out, that they are going to be disconnected the other trend that i have personally noticed is those are going to be customer less erp systems okay meaning they don't have any sort of customers in the erp system the only thing they are probably going to have is the the vendors Uh, and sometimes even they might not have the vendors because the only Reason why they are using ERP system is just for the financial reporting. They don't necessarily understand what the role of ERP needs to be. And I don't know, Chris, if you have seen this trend in any other industries. But typically, when I look at any of the B2C industries, that's where I see this trend as consistent. The other industries where I have seen this is going to be where, let's say, you have one giant project. Okay, so your operational complexity is not going to be as difficult from the customer perspective. Because the only thing you are doing is this one project you can probably manage in the spreadsheet. But from the vendor perspective, you might have 100,000 vendors applying to you. And then you have to track each of those vendors you have to recruit so your vendor side of complexity may be maybe far higher, so I don't know if you have seen similar uh, you know trends in any other industries with respect to the vendor side of processes
3: well, yeah, and I think it it goes back to do they solve the problem with integration services and I think as you go back to where does your procurement happen and sometimes it's it's p o s side to your point, you know or they have third party systems and but there's still an integration requirement that helps you close that gap, get that data closer where it matches you know by industry again, disparate systems point of sale is a big one because typically the stores are doing the buying or Someone's buying using their application. And again, you have to look at, well, how invasive is that integration? Because in the scenario I described, we fully replicated the inventory subledger. They'd create every, every PO that was created, showed up in the back office, every receipt, receipted against the POs, and then they could just pick it up right there. So that's a very complex set of integrations. Which is a lot of companies don't want to make that investment. And why wouldn't they? Well, we don't lose that much money, right? Or we're not missing so much. And I think as you get into complexity and scale, that's what necessitate a a tighter integration. That's how it happens. Because again, PO, the receiver over here, the AP is over here, and there's no three-way match unless you have that behind the scenes.
2: Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. Uh, So Abu, I'm actually coming to you. And in my mind, I consider this as extremely legacy architecture. If you are going to be using ERP system, either only for financial reporting, the only reason why you are bringing data is just to close your books, then your ERP system is probably not going to be helping you because you don't have the financial insights embedded. You cannot really take the action as the transaction is moving in your funnel, whether you are talking about vendor side of transaction or the customer side of transaction. But most of the, a lot of industries, uh, again, in the B2C space, in the energy, oil and gas, that's where you are going to see a lot of the strength. So from your perspective, when you look at the AP processing, what have you seen? How would you describe the scope? Uh, and maybe you might have any comment on the, the architectures.
0: Yeah, I think I've seen, you know, both. I mean, so previously, you know, if you go back 20 years, you know, you would have a lot of separate systems. ERP would mostly be a financial system. Then it moved to a more integrated system. You're using ERP to pay your invoices, uh, you know, for your payments, receiving invoices, et cetera. But I think in the last three, four years, I'm seeing another trend again, a lot of the uh, receiving the invoicing function is going out to different apps, right? So you're you're they're doing OCR, a lot of traditional ERP systems, they don't do OCRs that well, right? They don't do routing workflows as well or as cleanly as a point built solution. So lately what I've been seeing is a lot of companies they are they are you know they're still using the ERP but they, it's hitting only for invoice entry at the end right? So, but a lot of that front end, you know, capturing the invoice, routing it to the right person for approvals, uh, vendor setup, vendor approvals, obtaining banking information, all of that is, again, you know, I'm seeing moving to a point-based function which integrates uh, with the ERP system. Uh, I mean, one thing we, we didn't really capture, you know, talk about was payments, right? Again, that's another disparate function that, you know, ERPs don't handle payments that well, right? Sure, you can create some CSE file and stuff, but, you know, there are lots of other point solutions who make it easy for you to do it, but integrated your banks connected right within that system. So a lot of things are happening uh, in the accounts payable world and, you know, a lot of point solutions are coming up which are challenging the traditional role of the ERP. Okay, so
2: very interesting layers there. So let's do a little rundown of these, um, you know, point apps. And I'm completely convinced overall from the vendor experience perspective that they probably need to have slightly more easier apps. The payment is going to be great. But let's talk about the integration challenges, okay? Um, So when we are, let's say if the point app is going to be just the UI extension of the ERP and yeah. the way I like to define the UI extension of the ERP, meaning you have live connection with your ERP, the only thing you are doing is you have sort of you know simplified the, the UI and you are talking live to your database so you don't have to maintain the separate vendor record in your instance if you are maintaining separate vendor records then you are opening another kind of worms how the reconciliation is um, you know vendor is sitting in in five different systems and by the way so you are talking about okay vendor collaboration is just one aspect you have erp plm okay where is plm in the equation so if you are going to have a lot of r d processes you probably need to have plm because sometimes these plm are going to be they are literally integrating with your adobe illustrator okay your erp will never do a good job of integrating with that because your designers need to be using that right so you need that system as well so if you look at you know p2p you look at erp you look at your vendor portals you look at your plm you are looking at at least 5 to 10 different systems and these all are going to be storing the vendor yeah. that's
0: a nightmare
2: from the integration yeah. so you know do you have any sort of follow up commentary uh, in terms of the integration best practices
0: so, well, I mean, it's definitely, um, you know, a nightmare. I mean, you have to have one source of truth, right? So, for example, if you're sending vendor from an architecture's perspective, all of the apps should be obtaining that vendor information from that, from the ERP system. Because generally, that's where all the data is ending up being, right? But I think, you know, there's like ERP tends to be, you know, they do a lot of things, right? It has a thousand features. But what a thousand features mean, really mean in the ERP world is you can't do it all the thousand features really well, right? So there's always going to be gaps in those ones. What I'm seeing in the AP space quite a bit is people are going for these point apps because they have made it so easy, right? The users, are they, want, they are driving the change, right? So integration is an issue. A lot of apps come pre-integrated, you know, so that will define the architecture as well. Uh, but the key thing, obviously, is going to be having one source of truth for the vendor data. You're not changing it. But, you know, with the iPhones coming in, with the younger generation coming in, I feel they want that simplified UI. They want to click a few. They don't care about anything else, right? I think that experience is putting a lot of pressure on the
2: traditional ERP. Okay, very interesting. Thanks. Thank you so much, uh, Abu, for that. So Nirav, I'm actually coming to you, okay?
0: So there's another layer
2: uh, overall from the integration perspective. Obviously, you know, you can offer any sort of commentary based on whatever we discussed so far, any sort of context that you can provide in terms of what you have seen from the AP perspective. But one comment that Abu mentioned, I want to touch on that, and maybe you can offer some commentary as well. So a lot of, uh, you know, IT folks, and, you know, when you talk about these technical architectures, integration architectures, there's a lot of noise in the market overall. Okay. They don't probably understand the concepts at a deeper level, but they all want to talk about it. And one of the concepts that is uh, sort of floating around uh, is going to be multiple sources of truth. Okay. So if you really look at from the integration perspective, everybody's going to say if somebody has been there you know, on the block for the last 30 years, they are going to say single source. You have to have single source, otherwise it's not going to work, okay? So, but there is a concept for multiple source of truth and there is a, a certain assumptions in the multiple source of truth architecture as well. You know, the way it works, but most people just don't understand. In their mind, they are thinking multiple source of truth, store data wherever you want, then we can figure out the reconciliation later on. But there is a foundational assumption overall in terms of the multiple source of truth as well. So any uh, context... Uh, comments over comments so far and the multiple
4: sources over to you. yeah no absolutely an emerging trend uh, to say the least but yeah the multiple source of truth is something I've been seeing you know a lot of times customers before they're coming out to ERP systems they already have apps that they're using right uh, for vendors and then and then they're coming off maybe they have another set of vendor codes and an excel file now they want to bring those vendor codes and Excel file into their ERP, but in the app that they're using, they have another set of vendor codes uh, that they're paying. But what I'm seeing is that there's that there is a mapping exercise. Yeah, there is you know these different. You know, same vendor, different you know codes itself. But I'm seeing that there's a mapping exercise where, when you are integrating between third-party solutions and the ERP system, they're able to pretty easily map over those vendors properly back into the ERP system. Because ultimately, what it has to come down to are we booking the journal entries correctly, right? Regardless of where we're doing the transaction, where are we holding the financials? When the when the when the when we're paying a check or we're getting an invoice, right? Where is it in, where is that financial flowing into, right? So um, whether whether that 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 invoice is being done, you know, vendor Z, and then that's a vendor X, and the ERP system there's a mapping that's being done. So sub ledger is being updated. You see what the payable is of that vendor Z in the other system. That's a vendor Y in one system, right? As long as that mapping is there, I think you could hold multiple, uh, you know, kind of source of truth in that sense. uh, In essence, and a lot of that is, you know, for example, look at a company for GE, right? For example, GE could have so many different um, vendor sites, right? Where you send checks to, where, where, where you could send POs to essentially, right? But you know that that's maintained in one database, and and the ERP has GE essentially, you know, as a, su- a separate set of code, but. They all have to be mapped together. I feel like in order for that to be successful.
2: Okay, so very interesting layer there. Uh, any other uh, you know additions that you might have overall from yeah. the context perspective, from the pro- uh, if you look at the AP processes,
4: uh, yeah. you know what, what yeah. is the scope of the AP processes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's big. We've been touching a lot of it, right? Uh, a few points that you know that I, I think is worth mentioning because a lot of companies are doing this more and more dropship. Right, what's happening in the dropship process with the vendor? Right, the vendor is being selected on the sales order side, essentially. Right, and then the purchase order is being created, tied back to the to the customer location on the purchase order, and the receiving and in, invoicing has to happen from a purchase order standpoint. Right, how is that relationship? Right, how is that when when is the goods being delivered to the customer? How what does that communication look like? Are you receiving in a note of good uh, of a uh, of receipt from the vendor? Or are you just receiving in the invoice directly from the vendor that you want another side on the AR side, what we talked about last week, is to hit cost of sales right away, right? That's a whole loop right now that's, I think, a, a, a hot emerging trend of drop shipping. More and more dropshipping, we're, we're eliminating storing products, especially for distributors. Look at vendor portals is another trend where customers really like, where vendors have their own portal that they want you to go into and look at, you know, how, well, what, what bills have to be paid, how bills could be paid. They want to be able to access your system. That's another, that's another way of efficiency on, on, on the vendor, on the AP side. Right? What about employee employees are vendors? We forget about that, right? Employee uh, expenses, right? You have field service. You have people out there. Um, how do you how do you manage your employee expenses that are coming in? Do those expenses when they get recorded in? Do they have to be distributed to certain jobs, right? How are you recording that cost of it, essentially, right? Because your employee is a vendor. Are you making your employee happy by paying them timely, processing that AP, you know, correctly, right? That, that and then how are they capturing that? expense right are they using a third party app are they are they submitting paper receipts right what 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 is the technology there that they're utilizing essentially landed cost um you know you get freight you have you have material coming in all the time right from vendors but you're going to get they're shipping on your own FedEx FedEx account or UPS account how is that how is that landed cost coming in and then attributing back to the item cost so you get a true unit cost for the item right if you're if you're doing average costing you're doing fifo costing only right so how is, how is landed? How are you using it? Are, are, are you properly utilizing this for landed costs? Is your inventory costing all messed up because you're payable on the vendor, on the on the logistics side is all messed up, right? We need to be able to merge that together properly to get accurate costing, and get accurate cost of good sales to see what our margins are, ultimately. Fixed assets, prepayment on, on a purchase order, right? A lot of times when you order fixed assets, you, you need to pay something before you even receive it in. What controls are in the system that allows you to go ahead and, and create what we call a prepayment invoice before receiving something and so You can kind of check out the door to the vendor so they could continue creating the fixed asset for you, whatever that is, right? In, in terms of, in, from that perspective, you have AP automation, you know, we touched on that a little bit. Chris had a really good example of a customer that has a hundred different locations and they have AP, thousands of AP coming in. Well, you know, something, you can't go ahead and log all that in manually. OCR, right? I think uh, Avuk talked about OCR. Being able to bring that in via OCR where that technology, the AP automation, is so used for a customer that you can easily map a vendor invoice. Maybe it has to go through an approval process, but it's really a touchless system. The vendor invoice gets emailed directly to a centralized email address, gets OCR'd, gets approved. Bam, it's an AP now, right? Totally touchless. Now, the AP department is handling exceptions. When it comes to payment, they'll go ahead and pay pay it ultimately, right? And positive pay. Right. Positive pay, electronic ACH. Right. That's 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 all stuff that, you know, we hear all the time from the AP, uh, you know, AP plays our customers, you know, fraud prevention techniques and measures for vendors to be able to make sure that their, their checks are being cut and no one else is out there back door in the dark web cutting checks on their behalf when they shouldn't be, right? So, uh, you know, all these things are here, but you need to have a good ERP system in place to do all these things for you, right? That's the, that, that's what I'm going to AP is critical. It could sink your business.
2: Okay, amazing. By the way, Matt is smiling because you are speaking his language right now. Positive pay and anything related to bank is Matt's uh, territory, and that's why he's really happy. Uh, and by the way, see, if you are going to have that disconnected experience between your systems, okay, then you are going to have five or six different Systems, good luck with your costing. Yeah. Good luck okay. um, so, uh, allocating your landed cost. Okay. Exactly. It's not gonna yeah. work. Irrespective <laughs> of what you are gonna apply, you know, the more connected and the integrated the experience is going to be, sure, you can treat this as more of the estimation as opposed no. to having the real visibility into the, the actual data and oh, taking no. action. But you know, if you're gonna have this connected experience, number one, you are going to be doing a lot of data entry. Okay, so yeah. you're looking at army of accountants yeah.
4: <laughs> to be able to do data entry and the reconciliation.
2: Good yeah. luck with well, that. Well, well,
4: landed costs, right? I mean, it's, it's the freight, obviously. That's the one that comes straight to everyone's head. But people forget about what about the tariffs that were just applied, right? That could be landed costs, right? What about the surcharges and gas a lot of times, right? The freight companies charge, right? All these things are landed costs, and we have to be able to account for that loaded cost at the end of the day. And how are we, are we doing that properly in ERP? We need a good solution. Exactly. Thank you so much, Nirav, for that. Matt, so I'm
2: actually coming to you. uh, Whatever you can add overall from the context perspective. Obviously, I would like this uh, point, the multiple source of truth, uh, you know, with everybody, whatever insights that you can offer. Um, and any other comments that you might have based on the discussions that we have so far related to
5: AP? Absolutely. So I think when it comes to multiple sources of truth, this is the one place where you are at the mercy of the other side. With AR, you can dictate to your customers how you want them to run. But with AP, you are at the mercy of the vendor. And if it's an established vendor, they're looking at it the same perspective that you're looking at with your customers. They want to get paid the most efficient. And if you're going to Mess with them, they're just it might be easier for them to cut you off than it is for them to get to your level. So you have to be forced into a potential for a multiple source of truth. So, what you need to do in your architecture is, of course, come up with a plan of where the sources of truth are prioritized when there are discrepancies. Have a plan for it because there will be one inevitably, but you can minimize it and you can have an action plan that says, if this, this is where we go, this is what we do to accommodate that. Vendors are not going to hesitate to tell you when you owe them money, which will also help. People want to get paid. So it's unlike the customer situation where customers are like, oh, we don't want to pay you. This side, you have nothing to worry about there. Um, to the banking end, I think that is a big place for efficiency. People don't realize that those banking services exist. And if you're ERP, and our ERP does this, so we, I, I've actually wrote the files for it. So I did this for our first customer that did it uh, about a year and a half ago, and we've now adapted it as part of a standard rollout where if you're in the US, you have your notcha files. We will cut them the positive pay files with all the checks. We get them right over to the bank. You just The only thing we need from you is your contact at the bank with the email. Everything goes out to them so they can update your positive pay file daily, weekly, monthly, whenever with all that information saying this is what we want paid. This goes to your pos- uh, to your positive pay. Pay these checks when they come in. This goes to the NACHA files. Generate these EFTs or ACHs. Get these vendors paid. Cuts down on costs over time. When it comes to the layering, you have to come up with a good way to get things to the system Now we talked about. APIs, EDIs, uh, OCRs. All of that technology exists. I don't mind the concept of a of multiple apps here. I think that it's one of the it, it's a necessary evil of ERP. So what you're trying to do is not you can't come up with a true single solution. But what you have to do is come up with a smart plan of which solutions you're going to use. That may even be part of your vendor sourcing process. If that vendor's complexity is too much to be worth what they provide you, find another vendor. That is, alone is a hidden benefit because time efficiency measure the time of your staff acquiring these things so you can look at that too it's an area that people i think sometimes forget because they look at the fixed costs, they look at the hard costs what did i get sent a bill for they forget that you're paying employees pay those times oh by the way something that nobody talked about here if you have a company that uses it independent sales reps in 1099s they're basically vendors you got to pay them too to move your product that's a payment because guess what if you're an independent sales rep who's Selling five, six products from five, six different vendors, you want the guy who's giving you your commission check for whatever business you're moving the fastest. That's who you're going to do business with. You're not going to do business with somebody that's lagging. So that's another place where you've got to keep an eye on it. And that again links to your sales orders and all because they're going to be giving you sales orders for your product and they're going to say, like, you know, hey, I got this water bottle here. Let's say that I'm an independent sales rep that sells water bottles. I just moved 5,000 water bottles to these retailers that are going to retail them out. I want to get my commission on that sooner because. That's my livelihood. So keep that in mind when you're running your AP. Organize and have that source of truth where you're going to have multiples, but you have to hierarchical them. Fall back on one that you trust the most, one that you can integrate, that's a central integration point, whether that's a separate data warehouse or part of your ERP. Doesn't matter. That I think we define it based on the scope of the customer uh, individually because we will build those data warehouses when they need them. We will go within the RP when we need to. Our company is flexible enough, agile enough to do that. But you can get anything that you want out of it. So your goals should be efficiently calculating all this stuff and then looking for the ROI on it. And that ROI may mean paying a few more dollars to a particular vendor because that unit cost might be higher, but the cost of getting everything into the system Ends up being a total uh, win for you and your organization.
2: Okay, so some very interesting layers there, and I especially appreciated the layers that you uh, layer that you brought in uh, for the 1099 uh, vendors, and that is typically very complex process in general. Uh, the 1099 vendors could be for your company; you might be working with other distributors; they might have their own 1099 workers, and that even uh, complicates this uh, further. Um, so the follow-up question that I'm going to have for you is going to be slightly more fun because this is coming from a competing solution, right? So we, <laughs> so it's going to be a little fun for you, right? So, so the question is saying, I guess it depends on the ERP. Acumatica integrations are relatively painless if there is an open API. I'll tell you my perspective first and then Matt, you can probably address this as well, okay? So sure, I get the argument about the open API. I get how easy it is going to be with respect to API, but do not forget the design and the architecture APIs do not provide the design and architecture. Okay, and we are going to be talking a lot. And obviously, I need to talk to Chris as well uh, with this whole notion of multiple sources of truth, because that is far more complex in general in accomplishing that. So, Matt, your perspective overall, when you look at the open API, what's your perspective, uh, you know, when it comes to this? So,
5: open APIs are great. Now, our system has them as well, very similar to Acumatica's, which makes them relatively painless. Uh, we'll even do the configuring for you, or you can configure them yourselves. We actually give you the API keys as part of our solution, so you can do it yourself or have us do it. Uh, we have customers who go both ways. They will do it themselves. They'll have us. I agree with that. However, you have to know ER- ERP limitations. A lot of ERPs or a lot of other softwares have API call limits. What do you do when you're moving past that call limit and you can't get the data in? Someone just made a comment about it boils down to how your accounting perspective is. That's the other thing. Got to talk to your CPA. What do they want to see on the general ledger when they're doing taxes? The last thing you want to do is code something wrong that it leads to you paying more taxes or having something coded incorrectly. It all ties back to what you're going to show on a P&L. If you need to get loans, lines of credit from banks or anything like that, those services require accurate general ledgers. I was a corporate banker for four and a half years. I went through those financial statements. We ate them alive when people asked for money. You had to. So you want to make sure that you are guiding it APIs are great for transferring data, but you have to be smart about what data you're transferring to make sure that it's hitting the right spot because APIs still have assumptions involved. They open up a certain key, a certain field, and they correspond to a certain key in a certain field. And all they're doing is just pinging the same thing back and forth, but that doesn't solve the fact that if it's bad data in, you just have bad data everywhere. So you need to audit what's coming into there and make sure that... Your CPA is on board with how you're going to do it. So when you configure it and turn it on and go live, you want to have that.
2: Yeah, could not agree more. I think great comments overall about, you know, how things are going to be coded and uh, also about uh, the, the CPA comment. I, so Chris, I'm actually coming to you. So number one, obviously, multiple sorts of truth. Uh, We need to address that. And I really don't think a lot of people understand what multiple source of truth means and what is going to be the implication of that uh, on the architecture. Typically, when you are thinking of multiple source of truth, you are looking at the master data. Master data is where the real challenge is. And master data is going to be more in terms of when you are going to be locating the vendors uh, in multiple different systems. And that's where the real trick overall is. So that is number one uh, question that you may want to touch. The second is obviously this question. If you have any perspective on the API as well, and any other stories, Chris, that you might be able to offer? Sure.
3: You know, and you, you go back to the disparate systems, and the pinch point is just, it's reconciliation. You know, in the two sources of truth, and, you know, even in the integration example that I have, when it was all bolted together, it's been working. Why is it breaking? Why does it stop working? Well, hello, you changed something here. You didn't put something here. So even in a fully integrated system, and I'm not kidding you, it was 8,000 hours of development, massive. But exceptions show up, and why do things fall apart, even when they're fully integrated. Imagine if they're not integrated. Then you don't know things are falling apart because at least the records are failing. But again, vendors, somebody set it up. Oh, we got a new vendor. Well, it didn't go through accounting, didn't go through AP, but you just ordered something. We already got it. We already received it, right? Left hand, right hand don't communicate. So there's a perfect example. But again, even in where they're bolted together, seemingly percentages, you're still working with margins of errors due to just Human coordination, and I think there's always going to be the human element there. But uh, so as you hear that fully integrated, I'm saying one percent, less than one percent. You hope non-integrated, your your interruptions and just rework is what it's called. There's coordinating, people don't track that human time, that loss of human time. But you know, again, if you're trying to scale an organization, you know, is that labor and efficiency? It really becomes, and, and again, the accuracy. And then and then what happens is the reconciliation becomes overwhelming. Well, how many records are we looking at? There's ten thousand. That don't match. Oh, you get it right, and so now those complexities magnify. And now, well, that's and if you clear those, that hits the P and L, and it's a million dollars in loss. Ooh, so you know we've heard everybody talk about GL entries. Okay, so it's a big deal. And and again, the cleanup of the reconciliation. Imagine paying your accountants tens and tens of thousands to go through every invoice and verify this invoice is in the system, this invoice is in the system. Oh, you got duplication. There's firms that go out and do that stuff for right? you. They charge a percentage of everything they find. So again. To get it right on the front end is is imperative. And again, two systems. Where's the truth? Because I think we heard that before. There's got to be a decision tree if there's an ambiguous situation as to what overrules what. But in the end, it's a paper manual wreck where you really have to go back and look at transactions. You don't want to be there, especially if you're a big company. Small companies, you know, again, these these apps for billing, great. And it's simple. They're not doing complex products and purchasing and maybe outsourcing and, and subcontractor relationships where they've got, distributions related from procurement into projects, those integrations through the APIs, this swell in complexity. I think it's very true that simple stuff, easy peasy. You know, hey, build.com, great. Easy peasy. But the then those are small orgs or more simple purchasing, or they're really not tracking all the data would be the bigger answer. They're simplifying and they're letting a standard AP, the POs are being done in Excel or Word. So, you know, and again, they've got they would probably find a lot of stuff soft book as bigger organizations. But APIs, right? There's limitations. And again, in our world in the dynamics world, you're like, hey, business central, great APIs. That's exactly what you're gonna do. Perfect. Right out of the box. Easy. Oh, but I wanna I wanna integrate that AP and distribute it to a project. Uh, that API Runs out of capability. Then you get a customization. What you end up doing is you make a almost call it a hybrid API, custom entity to custom destinations. You can drive your data into the format that you're really trying to. But again, everybody grows out of those things. Even in the bigger system, the 365 FNO same thing. Lots of standard destinations. Nobody wants to do these stuff. That's what I would say. Everybody's got it. Well, I want to do something extra. Lots of time. okay. So some
2: great comments there. Okay, and uh, the follow-up question that I'm going to have for you is related to the comment that we just got, uh, you know, from one of the guests, and then we are going to be covering that as well. But really, it's about the processes. If you are going to have multiple systems in your architecture, it's going to be really hard because you have to define the process boundaries of each of the system. You have to identify the source of truth. And the way you mentioned that, you need to have that decision tree and the conflict resolution process among your system. This is not about people. This is about system. They follow the same hierarchy when you are going to be doing that. So there are three systems that are really important in the case of your AP side of the processes. And those probably need to be integrated in a lot of different industries, depending upon how thick their processes are going to be. Number one is going to be PLM. Number two is going to be ERP. Number three, if they are using some sort of P2P system. Okay, so these three systems. So Chris, let's say if I want to ask you, okay, how would you define the process boundaries? What is going to be the role of PLM in the architecture? When the process is is going to be handed off to your ERP? When the process is going to be handed off to your P2P? And and what is going to be the collaboration between them? So let's say if you were doing sort of the arrows and boxes between these three systems, how
3: would you do that? And when you say the P2P, what are you talking about in the point of sale Point of sale, or which P2P? This is going to be procure to pay. So this is going to oh, be a separate procurement system. So, yeah, it yeah. gets interesting because you look at the PLM where the engineers are in there and they're getting doing research with vendor potential vendors for a design. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? So on that front end engineering design process. So great. So are they talking to accounts payable about setting up new vendors? And again, when does when does a, a bill of a, or an engineering design? go through a procurement process. And so in an external P2P, I still think that the ERP system is going to have a lot of the controls of that front end portion of the procurement process. I don't see that being completed externally in an app, frankly, in larger organizations. And again, is is the engineering teams and the PLM, are they talking? And again, as they, and so as I look at the integration tools that I have, they're going to set up products. Again, are the vendor designations coming across from the PLM? It really depends on how good they did their job. But a lot of those are integration for robust um CAD ERP integration platform. So again, now when we go to an external P2P, okay, so so what's external? We're doing purchasing and so forth. So again, now who's syncing to who? You know, is the PLM going to a third-party P2P? I have not seen that in the architectures that I work. The external, I've seen procurement systems, but not where there's complex engineering and, and architecture going on. In the aircraft, and the aviation space that I play in, some of the aerospace contractors, PLM integrated the ERP, again, the procurement systems, if they have anything, they may be some punch-out stuff but but not not a lot of third party in those contexts.
2: Okay, amazing, thank you so much Chris for uh, those insights. So Abu, I'm actually coming to you before that, I'm actually going to cover some of the comments here, then we can talk about these comments as well if you have any uh, insights. So we have a lot of them. So one of the users, and I don't know who this person is because their name is not coming, so maybe change your LinkedIn setting and change that so that your name is going to appear here, but you are saying that finally some academica representation That's not true at all, because we have had uh, Dave Dozer for a very long time. And obviously he represents uh, Acumatica as well. But uh, thank you so much for the comment here. We have uh, one more comment. It all boils down to how good are your accounting perspective? And again, I think the uh, when I think about this perspective from the accounting and obviously you guys can add your commentary as well. But, you know, accounting has a lot of different layers as well. If you are going to be thinking Uh, accounting's role only in your financial reporting, there's not much you can do. I mean, you know, it's very passive. It's very legacy in my mind. But if you are really embedding your accounting at each step of the process and you have the insight of the cost and and, and profit margins at each step, that's where the real magic is of ERP. So again, the accounting perspective is very subjective. Some companies like to treat it as more of the legacy back-end accounting. But, you know, if you're looking at the modern architecture, that's where you're going to have that integrated experience. Some more comments here. All the leaders in the ERP address this. Provided your account and finance team is clear. I'm not too sure if I follow this comment. If you guys have any insights there, you guys can. Um, uh No. Okay. Let's move to the next one. Of course, P2P and tax. P2P and tax needs to be part of that. P2P. Not too sure about that either. Is he referring to P2P or is there anything P2P that I'm not able to? Any commentary, anybody?
5: I think what Anil is trying to say, and I'm making an assumption here based on the comment prior with the ERPs addressing with the finance team. If you have your financial rules of what you want in the reporting, then the P2P taxes. This goes to what we said about tariffs and all landed costs. I think that's what Anil is trying to say. Interesting. I might be wrong in that. Um, He can correct me if I'm wrong. But it yes. And then to his final point, the data and process. That is the key because you need to map it all. And when we do an ERP implementation, that's one of the best things that we're one of the most important things we're looking at. We spend. Before we even upload a single line of data into our system, we've defined all of those factors because otherwise you're just putting a spreadsheet somewhere and it's not going to mean anything. So I agree with the point, assuming that it's the point that I'm making based on the comments. Uh, and I think it's very important. Design. Okay, so I did get it right. The planning is very key. We actually dedicate uh, everything that we do to that point, because we we uh, storyboard it before we even touch an implementation for that exact reason. For one of our customers uh, that came on, they are, I believe, the United States at, at least at the time they may still be the United States' largest manufacturer of custom labels. So any type of label or tag, they are the largest manufacturer of the states. They're a customer of ours. They were using multiple systems to try to manage. Everything, and not just the AP side, but everything. Well, if you're acquiring paper for this and glue to put the labels on and all the other parts, like the inks, the everything, they could not do costing until they got onto our system. In fact, they gave us ideas that have become templates that we've used for other customers costing and whatnot. Um, and I've I really enjoyed that because that is a place where we took their process and defined it. They single-handedly <laughs> sold another customer three years later because they were a reference. And I said, I, I was going through my process with them and they, they said they were in the same situation. They were using the exact same software stack that my label maker was making. This company makes parts for boats of all things. It completely different. But I said, you know what? I had somebody who's in your boat three, four years ago. Talk to them. I shared the contact info. A week later, they never had – they didn't even have a formal demo with because I, I, I'm – you know, and I had done demos with them. And I was like – I had done discovery calls, but I hadn't actually demoed anything in our software. They called me back. They are like, can you send us a quote for what you did for them? So I drew up the quote. They sent it over. They approved it. They didn't even need a demo because the process – they were so sold on it from everything that this said. Process matters map it out
2: exactly could not agree more and i think you are so right that you know the biggest issue that you are going to have in your siloed experience is always going to be in your inventory in your costing that's where you are going to see most implications lend it cost okay you can never get it right if your data is going to be all over the place in many differences thank you so much matt for that i have some more comments uh that we can cover and you guys can offer a uh, commentary if you guys have anything just unmute yourself and um uh, or anything that you might have. So I think Anil uh, is agreeing as well that data and processes are going to be super important. The other user is agreeing with us as well that any ERP will fail if processes aren't defined. That is so true. It cannot be truer than that to be okay. It's always going to be garbage in, garbage out. So make sure your processes are defined and the system boundaries are defined as well. That is equally critical and important. So Matt, good job. I think he's agreeing with you. Some more comments here. Um, uh, not sure why you can see my info. So now, James, I think we can see your info. Great. Thank you so much for joining. Wonderful. So Abu, I'm actually coming to you. Any comments over comments? Any stories that you make? Might-
0: um, sure. I mean, um, you know, I'll take a devil's advocate approach here a little bit. So, I mean, if uh, if open APIs were so great, you know, a lot of companies would be out of business, right? Exactly. and all those billion-dollar companies, right? So. Uh, you know, we all sell our systems. Oh, we have great open API. You can integrate in minutes now. Yeah. I'll be honest about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, exactly. you, know, you know, as soon as you start integrating, you discover, oh, the product architecture is different. I cannot create a product because the other software, is, for example, right? So there's so many restrictions and then you have to do mappings of data, then you need a third party software just to make the two software talk, right? Or you start writing custom code and then you have to maintain that. Um the other thing, you know, data is obviously absolutely important, right? So we recently missed some of our payments from our, one of our customers because they forgot to add a zero in our, in our address. So okay, we're not getting payments for the last three months. So we had to go in and tell them, hey, your data is wrong about us, right? <laughs> so, so data is important. The address you know, all of that can become a big problem if it's not properly named. You have multiple addresses. You have multiple deliveries or, you know, multiple payment addresses in some case as well. Um You know, the other thing is about processes. So what I'm seeing in the world, you know, process is definitely very important. It has to be mapped. What I'm seeing over the last few years is that focus on mapping processes going down by the end customers, what they are expecting is that the software is going to bring a lot of the profit, right? So if you go 10 years ago, you know, you look at all those waterfall methodologies, you have three months just to map out the processes, right? That SAP, Oracle kind of strategies. But at least in the mid-size sector, when they're buying software, they're saying this software should work for industry and it should map already existing 85% of the processes, right? So, you know, in my, you know, and I sort of see why the customers are saying that because they're, they're expecting the software to do a lot more for them than what they previously expected, right? So data, absolutely very important. Process mapping, yes, it's important, but not as much maybe as it was 80 years ago, right? Customers are expecting a lot of, uh, difference, You know, again, I would say, you know, a lot of young people are coming out there. They're used to seeing an app on their phone and it just starts working. Right. So whether in reality that's there or not, but the expectation and the buying decision is definitely moving towards making ERP simpler to implement, easier to maintain, easier to learn and quicker to roll up. So that's what I would say.
2: Okay, amazing. So Nirav, I'm actually coming to you. Uh, comments over comments, any stories that you might be able to offer related to AP?
4: Yeah, no, I would say get off of Excel as fast as you can. Go paperless as fast as you can, right, with, with, with vendors. Uh, come up with an AP automation strategy, right? You don't, you don't need to hand-key in AP invoices. Um, Acumatica, for example, as part of a standard footprint has AP automation, right? There is no third party, right? Where you find an ERP so- solution that has more, you know embedded solutions than actually third party solutions the way to, the way you want to go so you're not having to deal and juggle with all these different APIs and all these other things going on right so find solutions that have a lot of this already in its base it's going to make you know your life easier at the end of the day but you know try to try to, try to take your discounts at the end of the day when you when you cut when you cut checks uh, for vendors, right? Um, do landed cost properly. It all comes back uh, back to your AP processes. Define your processes ultimately, um, and uh, you know streamline your workflows. Uh, you know, AP is one of those areas that you know kind of sits in its own island, but it doesn't have to bring it in, bring it back in, put that fishing rod back in, bring everybody back in, so you know we could ha- start having some some good logical communication with vendors and how we're paying vendors and what type of invoices are we getting in and and what is the cost. Of processing our AP invoices, right? I, I said something similar last time, and on the AR side, what is the cost of our receivable processing that? But what is the cost of our our, our AP, right? Uh, let's let's lower that cost. Uh, let's add more value in your in your in your processes. Okay,
2: amazing. So I don't know if you are going to have any sort of follow up comments on these comments. So I'm actually going to open up some more comments here from James, and uh, we have some more. Um, so he's saying open APIs are only as good as the endpoints that you can map. The only thing I would add there is it's also people who are mapping that it's also going to be the skill set. So, you know, so that is going to be equally critical as well. And uh, obviously, um, you can add there as well. But, you know, one more comment that I will read for you. So uh, Anil is saying I would add one more aspect apart from data and process. Important to have integration within teams, not software. But process and data connection, how everyone sees them, thats a well-known story of five lines, understanding elephant, could not agree more. Okay, first, define your physical processes, integration, workflows, decision making, how your teams are going to be exchanging the information before you think about the software, but it's going to be equally critical for the software as well. If you cannot define that, garbage in, garbage out. Uh, Nirav, any any commentary
4: on these comments? No, I think uh Anil's hitting it right on the head. Garbage in, garbage out. You you know, you, you you want need to be able to process these AP invoices timely, pay your vendors timely. Um, Abu Bop, a great example. you know, our vendors had uh they're missing a zero, so we couldn't get paid ultimately, right? So uh how can we eliminate that, right? How can we eliminate that miscommunication, that you know, that that data that not not you know properly, you know, being passed across correctly. So again, humans are running this, right? A lot of it, humans are running it. They're, you know, they're entering this information in. So it's important to take a hard look at where could we eliminate any human error uh, as much as we can. Okay. Amazing insight. Thank you so much, Naraf, for that. So Matt, I'm
2: coming to you. Any other, you know, comments over comments of, you know, these comments, as well as any other stories that you might be able to offer?
5: Absolutely. I, you know, I want to follow up on one of um, Abu's points, which is, you know, about younger people wanting it have. Now I'm 33. Uh, so I... I love apps, but I also understand, and this is working in ERP and knowing this, if you have an app that does one thing, it only does that one thing. Sure, that one thing is easy, but there's a hinge point because that one thing might be really easy, but then it's got to integrate and it's got to go through that. Every problem has a difficulty. You're only choosing where it is. Um, I like it's running things up on a credit card. You have to pay the bill eventually. You can only swipe the card so many times, the bill comes due. So when you have that app, you got to choose your hinge point. Do you want it to be easy data entry for people that are putting that in, but then deal with the problem later? Or do you want to head it off with how people get the information into the ERP system, how it integrates uh, with everywhere else? It's entirely up to each organization, and it's different for every organization, even ones within the same industry, because it's all about the people that are operating that system. But... It is something to think about and it is something that when you're selecting an ERP, you should definitely be asking about what are your system's hinge points because every automated process has to come from something being entered, and then it has to be checked on at different points. You can automate different areas of the workflow. Our system has some very unique ones that are different, and we find ourselves, my sales team finds themselves very frequently having explained that. We chose those points because nobody else does them that way. And in a lot of cases, we find that it gives us a leg-up advantage where we have a successful implementation where other products don't. We chose it that way. We built it by design that way. Nothing wrong with it. It's an agnostic view. It is just you need to pick the...
2: Okay, amazing insight there. So, uh, you know, I'm going to do one open floor question. Anybody can address that, whoever has insights. So, you know, keep yourself on unmute. Um, So one of the the scenarios that we did not cover in in detail, that is going to be really payment. We touched a little bit that, you know, you are probably going to have workflow... Uh, and based on that, you can probably process the payment. But one of the trends that we are seeing overall from the supply chain perspective, when you are going to be working with the international vendors, uh, there are going to be many different complexity overall in terms of the payment, and typically that actually throws off your, uh, you know, supply chain planning, the lead times, you know, whatever you have to do. So I don't know if you guys are seeing any interesting issues there. Um, you know, some of the customers the way they like to handle the prepayment, with the international vendors is going to be they sort of do the negative balance on the chart of account which is a very crude way of doing it right so anything that you guys may be able to offer based on the scenario that i just mentioned
0: we have a lot of customers who would procure materials from uh you know overseas and you know they'll be doing prepayments uh, or they'll be doing it the other way around but i would like generally they would be added to a liability account so if it, it would be tracked in a you know in a crude in a crude liability right so it's not the service has not been delivered yet and then they'll keep on deducting it from from that account, right? So uh, that's what I have seen. You know, I've not seen a negative GL per se. Um, You know, it will be tracked separately on the balance sheet, all the prepayments that have occurred. So typically
2: Uh, the challenge is going to be, I guess, in the accrual process because, you know, let's say if you are doing monthly close and if your PO is in this particular month and then you are going to be getting the delivery because of the supply chain delays, let's say after nine months or whatever, uh, then, you know, you have to probably track that as the accrual. Sometimes, you know, that becomes a little bit of a challenge for um... Yeah, I mean,
0: most of it, you know, I've seen them doing manually even at larger companies because there's so many factors that come into play in calculating those, you know, how much to accrue, when, what to accrue, you know, depending on the industry. Uh, you know, for example, if it's a project-based then you know, is it milestone-based, is it on what basis are you going to accrue the cost? So, depending on the kind of industry, you know... So they will treat it differently. If it's a product-based industry where you're actually physically receiving a you know, smaller you know, product you know, distribution kind of firm, then it's relatively easier. If you're project-based, then it becomes more common uh,
3: generally.
2: Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for that. So well, now we can
3: take only the closing advice, super short closing advice, Chris. So we didn't talk about security. It's a big deal around the payables process. If you think about, you're moving money out of the organization. Fraud, again, separation of duties are words that are to come to mind as you think about cutting checks and bank reconciliation and all the loose ways that cash can leave the building. Food for thought. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, Abu. Uh,
3: yeah, I'll
0: definitely say, you know, security. I like what Chris said. You know, we've had a few very high-profile cases here in Calgary where University of Calgary paid ten million dollars to a vendor, you know, just because they received a fake email. So um, yeah, so definitely that would be a pretty critical. Okay,
2: amazing. Thank you so much, Abubakar. for that. Uh, Nirav, closing advice?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's you know minimizing I guess you know data entries as much as much as you can in the AP process, um, creating that security around uh, you know which vendors are being paid when, essentially, and and you know uh, all the other you know operational side of AP, uh, taking a look at how you know you're interfacing with your item costs, landed costs, drop shipping, prepayments. It's, it's all you know functionality that that's that's really important on the ap side okay amazing thank you so much for that matt super short closing advice please
5: final piece of advice the one thing we didn't talk about when you're paying international vendors agree on an exchange rate
2: okay love it thank you so much matt for that so that's it for today if you join for the first time this was part of our digital talk series for which we meet every thursday at 5 at p.m eastern so make sure you guys are going to be here next week we are going to come back with another topic on that note thanks everyone for tuning in tonight have a great night have take nice care a bye I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Chris Garradini, head over to turnkeytech.com. It's dot ccom If you want to learn more about Abu Asif, head over to pennymanagement.com. It's P-A-N-N-I-M-A-N-A-G-E-M-E-N-T.com. If you want to learn more about Matt Bernat, head over to striven.com. It's S-T-R-I-V-E-N.com. If you want to learn more about Narav Shah, head over to H-R-S-E-R-P.com. It's A-D-C-I-R-R-U-S-E-R-P.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes including the interview with Bahadir Ardam, who shares his insights on supply chain nuances from the construction industry. Also the interview with Lisa Anderson who shares her insights into how to be directionally correct with sales and operations planning. Also don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any sort of channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank
1: you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast.